Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the reward-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. and welcome back to Mads World. I'm your host Mads and I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. If you have, please remember to subscribe, rate and review the podcast as it's the simplest way to help out the show. Also, I would appreciate it if you would vote for me in the British Podcast Awards for the Listener Choice Award. Just head to the British Podcast Awards website, click on Listener's Choice, search for Mads World and don't forget to verify the vote in your emails. This week I'm joined by award-winning comedian and writer Rich Spaulding. A regular at comedy clubs in London and around the country, his cerebral storytelling stand-up has seen him win a couple of awards and not get booed off anywhere yet. He's recently supported Eshan Akbar on tour and is currently missing presumed dead, in his own words. In this episode, we discuss the themes explored in Rich's latest comedy show, Look Who Loves Me, including his experience dating someone out of his league, navigating insecurities, sexual and erectile dysfunction, societal expectations on men and sex, and using comedy to challenge the perceptions around all these different things. Hello, Rich. Hello, Mads. Maddie. Yeah, Mads is great. Mads, hello Mads, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm really good, thanks. I'm off to Glastonbury tomorrow and I am in the midst of packing, so I'm in an absolute state right now. How yeah, are you? I can imagine. <laughs> I am mainly hot. I'm very yes. hot. Oh my God. It's a hot day to be in a room with the windows and curtains and door closed. Agree. And it's a hot day to be in London in the city where everything is just 10 times more. It's just always hot. Something. I don't even know what it is about it. People are like to me, oh, 24 degrees isn't even hot. People who are Australian. And I'm like, you don't know. Yeah. You're not yeah. there. Like it's 24 different. degrees in London is like 40 degrees anywhere else. Genuinely. Which I feel like if it was like this all the time, London would be the best city ever but in winter yeah. not not good bad not good place to live and Very yet bad. still somehow the tube is 35 <laughs> degrees no matter what time of the year you go on it's a mystery um well let's get stuck into our speed date question round so everyone listening can learn a bit more about you before we chat about some other stuff so first sure up is what is your favorite recent pop culture moment and it doesn't have to be recent it can just be your favorite pop culture moment in general i don't mind well i'm i'm gonna go super recent as in current because i'm i'm obsessed oh, with the, i know the what Titanic you're gonna say yes. i can't stop thinking about it same it's literally i fully knew you were gonna say that and i'm so glad you did because i was literally watching tiktoks about it and when this goes live when this episode's live we will know what happened yeah, to the in, submarine which is insane on to reflection me. it could this could look really in really poor taste but i mean it's just mental the whole story it's everything so i hear about it makes it even weirder i know and then today have you heard the thing today that 
one of the guys on it, the billionaire, yeah. his stepson um, was tweeting yesterday. He tweeted all the members of Blink-182 and said, I'm the stepson of the guy on the submarine and I'm coming to your concert tonight what? hoping for a shout-out or something like that. Oh, my God. And so he, and then he's, he's got loads of criticism and oh. then it turns out that he's like... And this is maybe I've read this on Twitter. I don't know if it's true or not. It's but just he's, Twitter, but it's okay. He's apparently been in jail for like sending death threats to rave <laughs> DJs or something. <laughs> and then I went on his profile, and his last tweet was he quote tweeted like like a, a very attractive woman oh, in gosh. a bikini saying, "Can I sit on you?" And no. he quote tweeted it saying, "Yes, please." And it's like your stepdad's in a submarine at the bottom of the ocean. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the maddest story what? in the world. It's actually the whole concept baffles me because it's a two hundred and fifty k for the ticket, and mm-hmm. I can think of at least fifty things I would like to buy before being yeah. put into a tube that locks from the outside and hurtled <laughs> to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, with eight other people. With eight other people, and they're also all billionaires. And yeah. in my experience, billionaires are good people. I don't actually know any billionaires personally, but no, from either. what I've heard about them. They're not very nice, and They're they wouldn't be much fun. And 250k. <laughs> Imagine if you had 250 grand. You I know. could buy a house. Just buy outright buy a house. You could buy anything you want. Like, think yeah. of something, buy it. You could buy it. <laughs> Even, and why, why, why would you want to? Because what are you going to say? You get to the bottom and you'd be like, oh, yeah, there it is. Love it. And you only see it on a screen. There's no glass. Like, you can't just look. It's not like a yeah. big submarine with a glass. It's just, like, on a little screen. You just yeah. know that it's out. But also, it could just, it could, they could be in a simulation yeah they don't, they don't even know that they're in the ocean it There's could no just proof. be like a ride at disneyland <laughs> yeah yeah i mean hopefully for their so sake crazy. that's what's happened is that they're somewhere in a orlando studio or something and they're absolutely fine at least we'll know by the time the episode's out which i'm very excited for yeah 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 hopefully they've been found safe and well and they're all at a blink 182 concert as we speak and they're all getting shout outs and they're all, <laughs> they're all getting shout outs with it. cam girls sat on their face it's, it's the dream <laughs> <laughs> oh my next question is tell me everything about your upcoming show look who loves me uh yeah so i'm doing uh an edinburgh show it's, it's only a work in progress so i'm doing two weeks in edinburgh on a show called look who loves me uh, which is a show about well, it's about me essentially because that's <laughs> that's how Edinburgh works. Um, but it's, it's a stand-up show about um, my relationship, my girlfriend, mm-hmm. which I think we'll, we'll cover more in the podcast. But like, I'm I'm dating, uh, well, dating. We've been together nearly four years, um, and she's a lot more attractive than I am, uh, which is great. Which is great, and and so it's sort of, it's about sort of how you can measure love objectively and subjectively and kind of all the doubts that you get when somebody loves you and you sort of wonder why like and when you start pulling at that thread it gets quite thorny and hopefully quite funny at points as well oh i'm so excited to hopefully it'll be on youtube or something i'm not going to fringe this year but my housemate's going maybe i'll tell them to come and come along Yeah. yeah yeah so is when's that is that in august it is yeah the 6th to the 19th um, Amazing, and it's work in progress, so it's all a bit rough and ready, just sort of knocking some ideas around and trying okay. to get into shape. But hopefully, it'll be fun, and it yeah it takes the pressure off for me a little bit as well. Wonderful! Oh, how exciting! My next question is: This is a new question I've been asking people because okay. it's become a topic of conversation every time I see a new friend. What would you, or how would you do in a zombie apocalypse? Like, would you be the first to die? Would you have a plan in place? Some people I've asked have a full on 
plan and like yeah. we- weapons. My friend has an axe, and I was like, "Where <laughs> did you get that?" What, is it in real life, they've got an axe. A real life. She lives in New Zealand on a farm, okay. so they need right. axes. But I was like, "Of course." That I don't have that. I don't even have like a baseball bat. I literally yeah. have like I don't know a knife from the kitchen, like a yeah, blunt that would knife be my that, best shout as well. Yeah, from my kitchen. Yeah. Anyway, how would you, what What would you do? Day one, you find out there's a zombie outside your window. Okay. I'd already be dead. That would be, okay. that's my plan. <laughs> so as you're soon, taking the easy way out. Yeah, yeah. If, if news reaches me of an apocalypse, I'm out. See you later. <laughs> I'm Don't hanging on by a thread that. anyway. <laughs> yeah, because what, what, what are you living for? What's yeah. the world going to be like? I've seen The Walking Dead. It looks absolutely <laughs> shit. I don't want yeah. to be fighting for my life every day. Oh, my God. I saw this tweet and it was like, people in zombie movies have such a strong will to live. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. just die. <laughs> what for? What are you living for? Your life? What part shit. of this is fun? Like, there's no new shows on Netflix. Like, if you're lucky, you even have internet. I think yeah. the zombies yeah, yeah, yeah. somehow get rid of that. Like, what do you, there's no Spotify. There's no TikTok. There's, there's no Edinburgh Fringe. Your Glastonbury's life, not happening. No Glastonbury. You can't even get in a submarine to go and see the Titanic. It's what's just a, what's a dreadful. Point? Why do you want to live if you can't do that? Honestly. Yeah, also, I I think I'd I'd have more fun as a zombie. It's, oh my god! Same. Much lower stakes. Yep. Get around eating some brains. It sounds great. And you get to hang out with all your friends that are yeah. now zombies. Very social, the zombies, famously. So social. They just love wandering in the street. They never go home. Yeah. Yeah. They, no, they don't want to go home. Exactly. Day one, zombie. That's me. I'm <laughs> Love done. it. Next question. Tell me about your upcoming podcast, Our Dads Died. Yes. Uh, well, it's, it's actually out now. Um, <gasps> my God. It's, it's in the wild. Uh, so it's called Our Dads Died. It's mm-hmm. a podcast that I make with my friend Tom. Uh, mm-hmm. He is a journalist and I'm a comedian. We've known each other 10 years maybe more now and in mm-hmm. that time uh we've both lost our dads which is not ideal oh, but sorry. um we've kind of the way we helped each other through it was through laughing about it and talking about it in the pub and joking and stuff mm-hmm. and we kind of realized there wasn't really a podcast that that treats sort of death and grief in that kind of way we talk about all the mm-hmm. difficult bits and the hard bits but we also our way of dealing with it was always to laugh about it. So what we do is we have, sometimes it's just the two of us. Sometimes we'll have guests on. Uh, mm-hmm. The latest episode we had was with Ishan Akbar, the comedian mm-hmm. who is brilliant. He lost his mum around the same time I lost my dad. Aww. And so we talked about the differences in uh, funerals in different cultures. And he told a very funny story about when he was lowering his mum into the grave, which doesn't sound funny, <laughs> I'm aware, but it was hilarious. Um, and then we've, we're interviewing people like we've got a, a mortician from America on who tells us about what he does to a dead body after it comes in. Oh, we've, God. It's pretty gruesome, but it's really Fuck. fascinating. I'm um, so going to listen to this. I'm really fascinated. And I feel like I have this weird obsession with death where I think about it every day. Yeah. And not my own, but like everyone else. I think that's like some weird ADHD thing that I have. No, I think it's, it's the right way to do it. Honestly, and I'm like, I just want people to speak about it, but I don't want to get depressed. So yeah, it's yeah, right yeah. up my street. This is perfect for you. Yeah. Oh my God. It's not depressing, but there's a lot of death in it. Well, let's end the podcast here and I'm going to go and listen. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> um, amazing. Well, my last question for this round is, mm-hmm. and it's my favorite question on the podcast because this started out as a dating podcast only, but now right. we talk about all kinds of fun things, but 
What is your funniest date story? And you are a comedian, so the stakes are high. Yeah, I, I commit, the, the downside is I haven't actually done that much dating. I've never oh, been rich. a huge dater. Um, but I did, when I first met my girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, our first like official date, we'd sort of been hanging out a bit and then we went for like a proper fancy date. Yeah. Um, and I'm not very good with sort of restaurants. I'm not much of a foodie or anything, but I booked like a, a fancy one. I took some recommendations. Amazing. Uh, we turned up. I was wearing a shirt. It was all fancy. Love it. Got shown to our seat. And as soon as we sat down, I heard someone behind me go, oh, Jess, which oh, is my God. girlfriend's name. And it was her brother-in-law who was sat next to us. What? Like on the table next to us with a big group of mates. Um, oh, God. And instead of doing what I would have done in that situation, which is to go and sit at the other end of the table and sort of leave us in peace, mm-hmm. he came and sat right next to us. Uh, on our first date and had quite a lot of involvement in it which was awkward and then midway through Jess got a message from her brother (laughs) with a picture of us in the restaurant oh god he'd sent (laughs) and Jess hadn't told any of them about me so he she just got this message saying who's this guy then who's that yeah you're in big trouble now sis yeah yeah (laughs) oh my god so it wasn't ideal I feel like, yeah, there's two ways you can play that. Either you join the big table and you're like, well, this is no longer a date. We are now out with friends. Or you move across the bar or the restaurant to the other side or you leave. And We just- did none of the three. We just plowed on as if he wasn't there. That's um, so weird. But it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's quite hard to have like a sexy romantic date, mm, particularly but- that early on. And you're like, oh, there's tension and we're eating some oysters. Who knows what's going to happen? And then yeah. there's your brother-in-law, Hugo. Amazing. Hello. Oh, Hugo. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> so, yeah, that was awkward. Oh, amazing. Well, speaking of your current girlfriend, yes. you mentioned earlier that your upcoming show, Look Who Loves Me, is all about dating your current girlfriend and the fact that she's out of your league. So I love that we keep referring to her as my current girlfriend. Just keep yeah. your options open. You never yeah, know. Current girlfriend. I mean, at the time of recording, it's Rich's girlfriend. So um, my first question is, um, how would you define dating someone out of your league? And do you think it's a real concept or is it more of a subjective perception? It's interesting. I think, I mean, I think it is a real thing. Part of what the show is about is the the difference between the objectivity. Can you ever measure sort of love objectively? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in our case, when it comes to sort of beauty and Western beauty standards, there are objective sort of measures and anyone would say she is a lot more conventionally attractive than I am. And that's the thing, the conventionally attractive point is that yeah. it, like obviously there's nuances and like people have different opinions and people have different not even fetishes but just turn-ons yeah, and turn-offs and things tastes, that yeah. they like yeah but there are things that are conventionally attractive and at least that's what we're conditioned to think yeah yeah exactly and in the reality of of going out with someone is that you know if you're if you're dating someone and they're interested in you then they're not mm. out of your league you're by definition in the same league that's kind of how it works but from the outside uh we do look well, I mean, it's more, I think it is more in my, or it was at the start, more in my head mm-hmm. than anyone else's. But mm-hmm. um, 
you do you get sort of trained to think that mm. there are certain levels of attractiveness that go together and when you spot a couple that are a bit mismatched you always wonder like oh what's go- what's the story there it's true and it's not fair but it is like it's just something that people i guess naturally do like yeah. i don't know like you sort of like just wonder in your head how did you guys meet uh, we met at a halloween party Oh, so it's a real life one, not a dating it was a, app yeah, one. Yeah, it's a real life one. And the I thing love is, them. on a dating app, I would never have. I had, <laughs> I was terrible on dating apps. I was only on them very briefly. I mean, I got zero matches. Oh, because I always tried to be very funny in my profile, and it <laughs> it didn't land ever. Uh, it's just the comedian in you. You can't help yourself. You're given a prompt. Got to be funny. Yeah, exactly. But no, we <laughs> we met uh, at a Halloween party in in the flat we now live in it was her and Ooh. our housemate alex were throwing a halloween house party i, I knew alex so i came around mm-hmm. met her and um spent sort of two hours while she was quite aggressively flirting with me where i was like Ooh. she's she's very friendly because I had, I had no idea that she would be interested in me Aww. and it took about two hours and quite a lot of beers before i went oh i see yeah maybe <laughs> maybe i should like make a move or something yeah and, and what were you dressed up as for Halloween? Well, I really got it wrong. Oh, I gosh. um so she was dressed as a sexy cobweb, which is a great costume. <laughs> great costume. Really good and very sexy. <laughs> um and I hadn't got a costume until I was on the way to the party and so I just went I went oh, to gosh. Lidl um in Finju Park and just bought a load of stuff from the middle aisle. And so I was wearing uh, the middle aisle uh, yeah well that was the only place and so <laughs> it was i had a um a glow-in-the-dark skeleton t-shirt that was a mm-hmm. child's size amazing um i had glow-in-the-dark skeletons on my wrists i had mm-hmm. a packet of penis straws don't right. know why i brought them i was already drunk when i got the little this is part of the issue yep and then i put quite a lot of like temporary tattoos on my face of sort of mm-hmm. spiders skeletons that kind scary. of scary so scary and it makes it even even weirder that this was like she answered the door to me and was like yep him that is so funny I was literally gonna say your costume was so bad I feel like I'm always attracted to the guy at the party who's got like the best costume because I'm like wow he's like the alpha of this party the (laughs) the best costume makes you the alpha male of the party that's an interesting way of thinking about it (laughs) because if you think of the kind of personality who would put a lot of effort into making a Halloween costume it's not generally what you consider an alpha no, because normally an alpha would probably just wear like budgie smugglers and think it was hilarious. Exactly, they were the guys I always wanted to be at university with the <laughs> the guy from the sports team who was like, "It's Halloween, so I'm just going to wear a pair of shorts and nothing else because I've got abs and a chest." <laughs> it was like, "Yeah, fine, we know." <laughs> Your heart, we get yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> fine, whatever. Baywatch again, is it? <laughs> oh God. Um- Moving on to a different vein. So how do you navigate any insecurities that can arise when dating someone who might be considered conventionally more attractive than you? Uh, it's interesting. I think, I mean, I, I, I always think now I'm a relatively secure person. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have been able to get past it when I was younger, which sounds mm-hmm. mad because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's sort of the dream position mm-hmm. but when I was a younger man I was much more insecure and I think I would have found it really hard because I, I would have been very jealous I'd have been worried about yeah like exes and other people coming up to her in a bar and chatting her up and mm-hmm. oh would she fancy them more than me that kind of thing whereas mm-hmm. what really helps is that she is the most sort of open and honest person and she'll she 
would she never does anything that would make me feel insecure in any yeah. way which yeah. I, I appreciate very much yeah. um but I think just talking about it I, I try to sort of yeah every now and again I'll get moments where I'm like I, sometimes I don't feel very attractive and I I worry about that and I'll just I'll say to her like I'm, I'm not feeling great at the minute I feel a bit insecure I'm worried Aww. about yeah. I'm thinking about you know the fact that you used to date a rugby player and I don't look like a rugby player and mm-hmm. and she's just very reassuring and makes me feel better and Not as with that. anything in a relationship generally if you talk about it it's fine Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah. And in terms of talking about it, obviously you've written or you are writing a show about it. Yeah. What obstacles do you face when talking to others or even doing stand-up about dating someone out of your league? Is that Was that hard to begin with? Have you done it before? How is the writing process going? Just tell me everything. Uh, the, one of the main obstacles is that when you do it on stage, people think you're either being self-deprecating Mm-hmm. or you're boasting whereas which is why i was trying to sort of bring in the objective thing of like this is just a sort of if you look at us that's just how it looks like yeah i'm not making any comment on myself but I did, mm-hmm. people come up to me afterwards and say like you shouldn't i did a, a preview of the show yeah and it was in brighton and mm-hmm. five people came and it was a hor- horrible wow hour. sounds great <laughs> it's quite a personal show yeah, yeah yeah and a room of five strangers where i'm talking to oh, them God. for a full hour about <laughs> myself and my insecurities at the end one of the guys came up to me and was like oh you don't really think all that stuff about yourself do you oh bless and him that's so nice it was really sweet but i was also like yeah. they are jokes that you were <laughs> su- you were supposed to laugh at them 
not feel yeah. sorry for me afterwards. Oh um, God! But yeah, the thing is, when you when you talk about it on a stage, people sort of they will take it sometimes more seriously. They take everything mm-hmm. you say literally, whereas sometimes it's exaggerated for effect. Or even the fact that I'm talking about it on a stage means that I'm fine about it, and I think it's funny. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. So people do worry, and then people think I'm boasting, and you sort of. You get. I got one guy after a show who came up and demanded to see a picture of my girlfriend. <laughs> what? And I was like, this is this is bit. weird. And he was a bit sort of alpha, alpha-y. And then he was like, yeah, well, this is my girlfriend, and showed me a picture of his girlfriend. It was, you know, very attractive. But I had to be like, oh yeah, she's lovely. Well, well done. And like, then, I didn't ask. Like, great. Yeah. yeah. I'd love it's, to see your routine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should make some jokes about this, mate. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, um, what advice would you give to someone who is feeling intimidated by the idea of dating someone out of their league? And then what I guess this sort of stems um into confidence as well. And how did you mm. sort of become more confident in yourself? Because I know you were saying that if you were a younger man, it's probably not something that would have been as easy to deal with. Do you think it's just an age thing or do you have yeah, any other advice? I don't know. I think it is it's it's sort of age helps. I'm mm. like I'm in my thirties now and I think you sort of settle a bit with who you are and and you you know yourself a bit better. Um, so that's a big part of it, I think. But I mean, I, w- one thing I would say is like don't don't ever aim to sort of try and date someone who's out of your league. <laughs> yeah, like, that's that's sort of not the way because the the reason that we're still together nearly four years later isn't because I still really fancy her. I do yeah. still really fancy her. But the reason that we got on in the first place had nothing to do with the way that we looked. We just got on. We, had, yeah. we made each other laugh and we had a lot of fun together yeah. and that's why the relationship works. And so really it doesn't matter if, if someone's going out with you, it's because they fancy you. And if yeah. you're going out with them, it's because you fancy them. And therefore it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's mm-hmm. like, it can be funny to talk about. And if you own it, if you know it and you can make jokes about it, then it's not, I don't know, it's not really an issue. And it's after a while, it's not the thing that people think about anymore it's not now the thing that my friends talk about they don't think oh you should you know you should marry her because she's more attractive than you they're like you should marry her because she's great yeah yeah oh, that's so nice and I love what you said there as well about like making jokes because I think humor is such a powerful tool to be able to speak openly about stuff that might be not even things like just things that are taboo but things that are just less people don't enjoy talking about them yeah. which is which is why um you mentioned to me before um we were, were recording that you wanted to talk about sexual dysfunction as well is this a part of the show or is this just something that you're interested in chatting about <laughs> where has <laughs> yeah. this come from <laughs> yeah that just sort of make it sound like i messaged you ahead of and was like <laughs> i'd like to talk about my penis please <laughs> Um, like an unsolicited dig big but an unsolicited <laughs> podcast conversation starter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is it is sort of part of the show and it's part of I think like what you were saying there, um like humor is a good way of talking about things that you can't really talk about. Like I since doing stand I've been doing stand up like six years now, and I have said things on stage that I would never have said to my friends. Things that are true and are, are very much true about me, but mm-hmm. that I you know, you wouldn't sit in a pub and and tell your friends about even though i think really you, you probably should it's probably a healthier way of dealing with it than mm-hmm. going to a room of, of a pub with 20 people in it and telling them instead mm-hmm. um but yeah so because sexual dysfunction is a, like quite a a big issue that affects men 
mm-hmm. and women, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think it has a quite a profound effect on men mm-hmm. uh, in in much sort of further reaching ways than just how good they are in bed or mm-hmm. it's it's about how you feel about yourself and how open you can be and like I when I was a, a teenager I had quite a big problem with uh, premature ejaculation mm-hmm. and um it really like it really affected me for a long time and it made me very insecure and it made me avoid relationships Mm. in in that age where you should be learning how to be in a relationship and you should be learning what kind of things work for you and what things don't work for you i just i sort of shut down and was like well i'm Mm. not i won't date anyone and i sort of thought you know i'm never going to be able to have sex in the way that i would like to have sex and so i just won't do it because if i got close to someone then they're going to find out this thing about me and then they won't like me anymore and so i'd rather not embarrass myself and just be mysterious mm-hmm. i was that mysterious guy who was like god yeah he, why why will he never come home with me <laughs> it's like <laughs> you don't want to know um <laughs> yeah and it's uh and then you know I, I know a lot of guys around my age now and and earlier on who have struggled with that and have struggled with erectile dysfunction as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which both things are very easy to deal with and are nowhere near as big a deal as people make them out to me but because you can't talk about it and like you couldn't go down to the pub with your friends and be like, I can't get a boner. Yeah. A lot of it's internalized, I guess. And I feel like you can tell, because I've been with guys before when that's happened and it might just mm. be because they've had too much to drink or they might have something else going on. I don't know. But I don't care. Like I'll just be like, whatever, yeah. just, we'll just try another time. But you can see the internalized like anger and shame and humiliation mm-hmm. is like comes out in this like really, that's what, it bothers me is like the response because, but you can tell that they're feeling like so frustrated with themselves. And I'm like, you're trying to be like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Like, it's fine. Like just chill. Then that makes them feel worse. And it's just like this hot, like if you could speak about it, which I think it's so cool that you're doing this show, like hopefully it encourages more open conversation because I think it would make people approach it in a healthier way. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. And and what you said there is exactly right that like again it i've never met a woman who's been bothered by either of those things Mm. but the reaction to it is where it gets weird and it's the reaction to it that makes you i think that makes men worse there's so much shame Mm -hmm. in sort of the way that men are taught about sex and the way they learn about sex you learn about it in private in your bedroom away from your parents watching sort of well watching porn that is yeah. has no relation to what sex is actually like uh-huh. and it it sort of it just becomes this internalized terrible thing and when when you learn to talk about it or laugh about it or relax that's generally when the problem goes away mm-hmm. and then in in saying that using humor and discussing it with your audience or when you're doing a show how do you approach it in a way that resonates with the audience um I'm still learning. I don't know. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it really doesn't. Yeah. Because um, the thing, it, it is something that people talk about on stage, but it's always, it's the punchline. The, the mm. punchline of the joke is, you know, oh, he couldn't get a boner or he, he came too soon or blah, blah, blah. Um, whereas rather than, and there's lots of funny stories about it happening. And that's sort of how I try to, to deal with it. One of the, the big stories in the show is, um, that my my girlfriend and I, when we were in lockdown, did some 
like a weed brownie mm. and i'd never done it before i had too mm. much and i lost my mind and went <laughs> absolutely crazy see it was, ya <laughs> it was the worst night of my life i was oh, in hell no. it was just like full-on oh. panic mode and oh, the reason we did it was because we were going to try and have sex mm-hmm. and i could not in in any realm of possibility was that thing going to work <laughs> um and so i talk about that and yeah. that's sort of a way into it and it's because it's self-deprecating it's me admitting mm-hmm. and i think sometimes when you want to talk about something like i find all of this stuff quite difficult to talk about it and that's why i try to make myself talk about it because it had like a real it's not it's not really an issue that i think about anymore but mm-hmm. when i was younger when i was a teenage boy it was all i thought about for years yeah and i'm sorry sort of- that sounds so tough it's it's just such a key time in your development as well and a time when you feel so conscious of how people look at you and how you're perceived and because yeah. your body's changing and you're growing and you know your friends are changing and your life's changing like it's just such an intense time in your life to be going through something that's like that is such a source of shame yeah. um, for so many people it just sucks and if if you had just well if i'd had just one person that i could hear going like yeah mm. I, that used to happen to me not an issue anymore yeah i relaxed i got over it it was all fine or hearing someone like you being like yeah i've been with guys that happens to not an issue doesn't matter just you know i think the problem is that men growing up think about we learn to think about sex in purely sort of quantitative terms rather than qualitative terms so you think like how big is it how long does it last how many times have you done it how many people have you slept with yeah it's so true it's all numbers and that's not how anyone really has sex or evaluates sex nobody's there with a stopwatch and a measuring tape it's just (laughs) yeah does is it nice do you enjoy it Mm-hmm. And do you think that it is a taboo subject because of what you were saying about, you know, the way that we learn about sex growing up, like, you know, closed doors, kind of just finding yeah. out what you can find? I think for women, it, it's it's quite a different experience because we can speak. It's more common and less taboo to speak to our friends about different things and speak yeah. about how you're feeling and like it's definitely more normalized. But what do you think is driving the taboo still when it comes to male erectile dysfunction? I think it is exactly that. I think it's the the the, the taboo, the fact that I think, and I, like I might be completely wrong in this, but I think particularly in the last few years, there's a movement where sort of masturbation and sex is quite empowering for women, as it should be. And I don't think it is for men. I think it's still something that is sort of shameful. Mm-hmm. That, like men masturbating is is a thing and it's more accepted that men do it and there, there mm-hmm. are still people who are like oh women don't masturbate blah 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 whatever but i think like everyone accepts that men do it but it's like it was a dirty thing it's like a and this idea that you know sex is a thing that men want and women sort of give up because they're like oh god fine if i let him have whereas you know it's a thing that both sexes enjoy doing with each other and their own sex and all sorts of stuff like it's yeah it's fine but there's yeah there's a real shame and it's an admission of weakness it's the other thing with men yeah I think as well just the stereotypes about masculinity and the patriarchy as a whole is what Mm. is probably driving those expectations and those like schools of thought that women don't want it and it's something that men have to get like there's that horrible saying when when people say, oh, um, the reason a woman can be a slut is because one key can only open one lock, but one 
padlock. Yeah. Some stupid analogy about a padlock. But guess what? Women aren't padlocks. They're human yeah. beings. And men also, aren't keys. They're human beings. It's the, not the, the same that, thing. It also doesn't work as an analogy because isn't it something like <laughs> a, a lock that can be opened by a lot of keys That's it. is a bad thing, but a key that can open a lot of locks it's a good, a good thing. thing. Yeah. But it's not a good thing. Like a key yeah. that can open a lot of locks is illegal. And <laughs> you're illegal. You should, you should be in jail <laughs> if you've got one of those. Or, or, or you're a caretaker. And I don't think men want to be a caretaker, do they? Or you're the mayor of the city and you have a or key to the, the city. The... Okay, now it sounds quite cool again, actually. I know. It sounds yeah. like you could get you could break into amusement parks and go on all the rides. But like, <laughs> how would you know how to function them? Guess exactly. What? You'd need a different key to get them started. <laughs> no, this this one, this key can go in the oh, no, rides too. Okay, it... it's a really cool key. I, I know. Like, actually, that's it's a good saying and we should, we should keep saying it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm all for the saying. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. But uh-huh. yeah, it is. I remember meeting a guy in a pub years ago in London with a uh, a friend of mine, and we were having a drink. And he, mm. I think I was like 25. Yeah, she was like 25, and he was sort of early 20s, 21 maybe. Mm. And we were just talking, and he was saying that he's been on like a, a bit of a shagging spree recently. And we were like, okay, cool, like good for you. And he was like, but I like. I, I think that men should be able to sleep with a lot of women, but I I wouldn't want to sleep with a woman who slept with a lot of men. It's like, I hate well, everyone. Where are you finding these women who are like, <laughs> so you want a woman to sleep with just you once and then that's it. And then she never has sex again. Yeah. But you have sex with someone different every day. The maths doesn't work. The idea that a man can do that with every woman and that's fine. Where is he finding the women? Like yeah, exactly. someone has to be sleeping with the men. Like I don't yeah. get it. You can't if it's a case of they're like decommissioned after they've slept with you, then <laughs> they're out they're out of service now. Or they're sleeping with other men. But these men are probably definitely homophobes as well. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. not even in the <laughs> realm of possibility for them. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, I did have another question I was going to ask you. So how do you think that using humor can help people cope with the challenges that sexual dysfunction presents in a relationship? I think it's it's sort of exactly what, what you said. The the key thing is the reaction to it. And if you can own something and you can laugh about it, particularly in a relationship, if there's you know, sex is always a little bit awkward, particularly at the start. It's, it's sort of nerve wracking. It feels scary. And as soon, but one of the great things is when, if you can relax with someone, you have a laugh, even during sex. I mean, the first time that I, I slept with my girlfriend, yeah, um, I couldn't get it up to start with because I was so nervous. I was mm-hmm. so sort of because you tense. like them so much as yeah, well. You don't, you don't I, want to fuck it up, and then it makes exactly. you fuck it up. <laughs> I was yeah. so worried about it, and like the whole day i knew i was going around that evening and i couldn't eat i I was at work couldn't concentrate i felt sick it was awful and then i went around and i put so much pressure on it that i couldn't i couldn't get it up um and so then i was like well you've ruined it the whole thing's done she's not gonna fancy you anymore and then we ended up just sitting in her bed in our pants talking for like three hours and that's sort of how our relationship started if i hadn't if i hadn't got like erectile dysfunction that day we might not have hit it off in the same way but because i was old enough and sort of a little bit more secure in myself mm-hmm. to to go this actually isn't that big a deal yeah i can just keep a cool head laugh about it we laughed mm-hmm. about it we had a conversation three hours later 
off we go. Not it's a problem. All good. And then we're oh. fine. It's such a nice story. And you know what? It goes to show as well how it's such a mental thing for guys as well. Yeah. Everyone goes on about like and it's those stereotypes again, like guys always want it, girls like have to be in the mood, but it's like it is so mental for men too. And for some women it is a physical thing. Like there's no like there's no science behind people saying that. It is just yeah. like toxic masculinity and um yeah, yeah. stereotypes that is driving driving that thought process as well. So yeah. I think the difference is that that women know it's a mental thing, whereas men still think of it as like my ability to get an erection and have sex for a certain amount of time mm. defines who I am as a man. It's like, no, some days you might be tired. Some days you've had a big dinner. Yeah. It's not a problem. Yeah. A big dinner. Yeah. Love that. Oh, this has been such a fantastic chat, but thank you so much. I've really, really no enjoyed chatting with you. And you know what? I always say this, which is so jokes, is that straight white men are underrepresented on my podcast. Oh, so really? we need more of them to keep <laughs> it balanced, which is probably the only place they're underrepresented yeah, in I mean, the world. If you need some straight white men, get on the London comedy scene. There's I, fucking loads of them. I know. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Rich. Please let me know on my socials if you have any stories or thoughts of your own to share about the podcast. And don't forget to vote for me in the British Podcast Awards. Peace. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.